So yeah, either we're going to open our minds to the final Geula, or we're going to deceive ourselves and become oblivious to that and push back the redemption and be forced to open our minds to further cups of judgment. Those are our only options. Chaspeh Shalom, that we forsake the former in lieu of receiving the latter. I'd rather see the plague of wild beasts in the world be what's happening on YouTube where animals that we haven't seen in city streets coming forth you know, from cities that are surrounded by forest and wooded areas and like all the animals now are, are not afraid to come out anymore and they're just kind of roaming through the streets, not hurting anybody. And, you know, it looks like a, a parade of a zoo, you know, and it's like, oh, look, th that's an interesting animal. I haven't seen that. OK, that animal's walking through Main Street right now. OK, Main Street would normally be full of traffic and people yelling at each other. <laughs> it's like, but here's this beautiful animal that. Uh, proclaims the majesty of Hashem because Hashem created it and we get to see it and wow uh, creatures that are normally not close to the shoreline in the oceans on the beaches they're now coming up uh, Venice Italy where the waterways are normally so cloudy you don't even know what you're boating in now you can see directly to the bottom of them which is the only kind of water I like swimming in, by the way. If I can see to the bottom of it, great. If I can't see to the bottom of it, never. <laughs> I say no, nay, never. Clap, 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 clap. No, nay, never, no more. Will I swim in that water if it's too brown and not sure? Freestyle. All right, anyway, so just a little personal note on me. But anyway, I'd rather see the Plague of Wild Beasts be like that. Um, you know, these are just some of the, the cool things to really kind of take into effect. Because the world doesn't really comprehend and fathom, you know, that, okay, judgments can be torn up. Remember the, the, the card that uh, Rabbi Griffin has that says, one who contemplates on uh, Amen Yehoshemay Rabbah, you know, like Amen, um, may his name be, it's part of the Kiddush. Amen, may his great name be blessed. Uh, let me go to the Kiddush real quick. The Kaddish, Sleekah, the Kaddish. Um, morning blessings. Then we'll go to the section here. The end of this section. Scroll all the way down. Yep. Amen. Now, normally when I use um, this virtual sedur. if I barely touch the page all sorts of stuff just like appears on here <laughs> and now I'm touching the page and nothing is appearing 
Okay, Baruch Hashem, it's working now. You heard me. Okay. Yehei Shemei Rabbah, which means may his great name, may his great name. And when we say Amen, Amen is absolutely like, may it be so, so may it be his will, all that kind of stuff. So it's saying, so may it be his will that his great name. Okay, so Amen Yehei Shemei Rabbah. That tears up the evil decree. That, that was brought down on this beautiful card that's got like all sorts of sources uh, to it. See if I can go back to it here. Going through my history. He sent it to us as a beautiful illustration. This was before the onset of Pesach. So it was a while back. Uh, the toilet paper escapade that's been going on. All right, here we go. So this is from the Chafetz Chaim. And then it says, Amen Yehoshua Rabbah. Then it says, Rabbi Yehoshua ben Levi said, Whoever responds, Amen Yehoshua Rabbah, with all his might, the evil decrees against him will be torn up. Shabbat. 119b. You want some Zohar? Here's some Zohar, Parsha Noach. At the time when all Yisrael calls out in a loud voice, Amen Yehoshamay Rabbah, the Holy One, blessed be He, becomes filled with compassion and He has mercy upon all. Here's a Talmud drop or a Slika, a, um, what is that thing? Uh, blah, 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 blah. The Shulchan Aruch. Wow, all these sources to scroll through. It says, Mishnah Berua 56.6 Answering Amen, Yehei Shemei Rabbah is an exceedingly great mitzvah. I told y'all in the Yom Tov Drash that our mouth is where our power comes from. To expound on that, I wanted to mention that, you know, when you look at all the Avenger characters, how do you hulk out? How do I put on my suit? How does Captain go and do this all day? What is Sleek Out? What is his shield? What is the super serum? What is, you know, Wonder Man's power? What is, you know, Mighty Hover's hammer? What is, um, you know, stop soul dots, sniping and metal arm. What is uh, the webs of the amazing Chazan? What is the the powers and the abilities and the gifts of Dr. Sakal to be able to open portals and do all sorts of stuff? And, um, you know, and the list goes on for all the Avengers. I specifically wanted to mention all my HCO Avengers you know, like Aziza and Hassin and Nova, you know, just a few of y'all that I really just, I appreciate y'all. Y'all are awesome. And, uh, yeah. So anyway, what, what does that power ultimately look like? It looks like speaking mitzvot. And namely, one of the greatest mitzvot that you can speak is Amen Yehei Shemei Rabbah. 
Mm-mm. Maybe so that his great name is blessed. You say that with all your might. That's using your superpower. Before I started this podcast, I lost my device that I was going to use to record my podcast on. And I started using my mouth. I was like, I am not upset. I am not frustrated. Hakadosh Baruku, I ask that you will help me to find my phone so that I can record. And I kept speaking and speaking and speaking. And I was like, I I will not refer to podcasting as whooping butt, you know, and I will not refer to, you know, everything that I get to do as like giving a beat down, you know, like because I was feeling a little violent, feel a little riled up for this. It's been a long, long couple of days. And so, you know, and getting into Pesach was quite the challenge. And then Hakamatsu continuing on and all that kind of stuff. So, Berkashem, though, we hear. And, you know, I just kept going. I was like, you know, I remember the last place I saw it, but I just don't see it there. And so I get all my books and I shuffle back through everything. And lo and behold, there was the phone. And so I used my mouth again to bless Hashem for answering my prayer. Because when you say, when you ask Hashem for something and he gives it to you, don't forget to thank him for it. A lot of times we're really good about asking Hashem to bail us out, but we're never really good about coming back and saying, you know what, Hashem, you're the reason why this worked out. You're the reason for this result. So thank you. Regardless of how good or how bad it is, because, you know, we get quite uh, subjective when it comes to that kind of thing. And so we really have to make sure that we're telling Hashem, thank you, you know, in all circumstances. But anyway, so I said, Baruch Adonai, Elohim, and I call him, Shomea Tefillah. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who answers prayer. So, you really flex your superpowers when you use your mouth, is basically what I'm saying. So, yeah, Baruch Hashem, may we all use our mouth. And may our fuel source be the matzot that we're eating, because in a few days... We will be back on the opportunity to partake of hamets, which is like all sorts of breads that are not left that are that are leavened. <laughs> we'll be back on that and go back to eating burgers with buns, you know, back to the giant uh, mixes of pancakes, you know, all that uh Stuff that's usually not kosher for Passover. Which, by the way, they have, they do have kosher for Passover pancakes. Which, you know, is one of my favorite foods. So, not that you asked, but now that you know. And uh, I get to I get to eat those, so I'm excited about that. Some uh, blueberry ones, by the way. Which, I'm just like, what? Anyway. So, yeah. So, anyway, using our mouth, superpowers, Brugashem. And back to, goodness, Romans chapter 8, verse 14 through 17. The spirit of slavery and fear and all that. So that's not Torah, okay? That's the op- If you don't have Torah, you have slavery and you have fear. Most people that tell you to not be Torah observant and go, I can't believe you trample the grace of Yeshua under your feet. And they come at you with fear tactics. Those are the very people who don't know the first letter Aleph about Torah. 
Torah is so amazing that you can just begin to learn about the olive and it it just just blows your mind. You want an example? I'll give you an example. Sefer Otiyot by Lawrence Kushner. I got to open it from right to left because that's how this book is written. Okay, anyway. So I'm going to go to Aleph, right? So say I'm a person who's not Torah observant, which is kind of weird because then I would not be Shomer Man. So, but anyway, I am Shomer Man. But check this out. I'm just going to read to you the letter Aleph from Sefer Otiyot, which is the book of letters. Okay, check this out. The letter Aleph. This is all we're reading. Aleph. So read it. I know, I know. I feel like I'm at Purim again, where I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. Let me tell you about this, and let me tell you about that. And it's like, read the letter. Okay, anyway. I'm reading the letter now. Ready? You want to know what it says? Do you really want Okay, I'm just kidding. Aleph is the first letter. It has no sound. Only the sound you make when you begin to make every sound. Only the sound you make when you begin to make every sound. No matter what, okay, no matter what sound you make, that's the sound of Aleph, the very point of where silence becomes hearable. If I can just use that, because I was going to say audible. The point from silence to audible, right before you get to your speaking, you're making the sound of Aleph. So what is the division of nothing to something? That's the letter Aleph. Before nothing becomes something, you have the letter Aleph. Okay, Selah, hopefully we're all okay. Anyway, open your mouth and begin to make a sound. Stop. That is Aleph. <laughs> I, I should have just read that instead of giving my own little elucidation. But anyway, turn the book sideways because the author thought it was really cool to write things uh, top to bottom, but also write things sideways, like in the margins of the page. Kind of like if you turned your paper sideways and started writing, and he decided to do that. So turn the book sideways. Now let's continue reading. Rabbi Eliezer Bar Abina said, in Rabbi Aha's name. Does that mean every time Rabbi Aha had an insight, it'd be like, Aha! Did you know? Da 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 da. That'd be really cool. If, if I was Rabbi Aha, that's what I would do. Or maybe I wouldn't, because maybe Rabbi Aha is on to something else. I don't know. Anyway, he says, for 26 generations, which, by the way, the letter Aleph breaks down into three different letters, two Yods, one Vav. Yod, the Gematria is 10. So 10 plus 10 plus 6, 26. That's the letter Aleph, which means one. So 26 is one. Aleph is the Gematria of the word for isolation, by the way. So everybody's in an Aleph right now because of COVID-19. Hashem has brought everybody to the first letter of the Aleph bet. Anyway, 
For 26 generations, the Aleph complained before God. I am the first of the letters, yet you didn't create your world with me. Don't worry, said Hashem. The world and all its fullness were created for the Torah alone. Tomorrow, when I come to give my Torah at Mount Sinai, the first word I say will begin with you. The first word Hashem is going to speak to the whole entire universe is going to start with Aleph. But the whole entire universe is going to be created with the Bet. So, there's that. Anyway, so, how are you going to just, like, say that the Torah is not legit and then say that, oh, yeah, I'm totally, totally fine with slavery and fear. Don't want any of that Torah freedom Jewish stuff. Like, I'm just saying, like, study the letter Aleph. Anyway. So it says rather, which is the opposite back in Romans again, just put a tab here in Romans eight, because apparently we're not going to get through all of it. I got a whole lot more sources here. Anyway, we're just I'm going to break down my, uh, my idea in my mind that I need to have a form and a structure. I'm just going to let it all fly. All right. Nanotech. You know, it can form up and go away and all that kind of stuff. So I should be, I should be used to that. So I, I'm trying to get used to it. I was used to my metal suits that had a set form. I jump in them. They come on. Now it's just like, no, it can form however it needs to. Okay, Rukashem. And I can also hand it to other people. All right, one last word. And then I promise I will finish this verse. <laughs> and the deleted scenes. And I don't know if this footage is like viewable yet. But remember that scene in Avengers Infinity War where Doctor Strange was caught captive by Ebony Maw and he had the little psycho th psychosis type things that looked like needles that were being uh, forced into Doctor Strange to make him give up the time stone. While Iron Man was up top and trying to figure out, OK, what am I going to do to get this situation going? And then that's when Spider-Man and the Cloak of Doctor Strange show up and all that and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, so apparently one of the things that happened in this footage is Iron Man sends his suit to nano-eyes all around Doctor Strange so that he would be safe from those iron things or the little needle things. And then the cloak wraps itself around Iron Man and him and Doctor Strange start taking on Ebony Maw while Iron Man is dressed like Doctor Strange and Doctor Strange is dressed like Iron Man. I'm just saying, just talking about this scene is absolutely mind-boggling right now because what was that fight like? So, anyway, just saying as far as the whole structure and format and Things forming and shaping as they need to. That's kind of what the the Omer is. Is our nanotech. Well, it ain't kind of. It is what it is. the The Omer is our nanotech. It helps form us and, and bring us into newness. So I want to jump out of this Romans eight passage into my next passage. So let me cue that up real quick. 
Uh, take off the old, put on the new. All right, so that's going to take us to the letter to Ephesus, chapter 4. So go ahead and tab that, and let's finish this. Okay, so back in Romans 8, then we'll go to Ephesians 4. It says, you receive the spirit of adoption, which is not slavery, which is not fear. It's important to keep everything connected to what we just read, which is... When you're receiving the spirit of adoption, that means you're a son of God and you're led by the spirit, which is the opposite of slavery and the opposite of fear. It says, by whom we cry. So by the spirit of God, we cry, Abba, Father. The only way you can call Hashem your father is through the spirit, through your Torah observance. Through Torah, through the spirit of God. So when people go, our father who are in heaven, or let me see God. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. If you're going to utter that prayer with integrity and truthfulness, like you should be, you're saying that you're a Jew. Only Jews can say that prayer. Just saying. Because being adopted as a son... Opposite of slavery, opposite of fear, led by the spirit of God. These are sons of God. It's kind of like you go to somebody else's house when you're not under isolation. But before we were in isolation, when you went to people's house, did you call other people's father your father? Or did you call their father by their name or something like Mr. So-and-so? You call your dad by Abba, but you don't call somebody else's dad by Abba. Unless you got that relationship, which means, oh, you've been adopted as a son. I'm sorry. When we say our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. We're saying you're my adopted or you. I've been adopted by you. So I, I will now call you dad. So I'm one of your children, which means I'm a Jew. So it's only a matter of time now before you're circumcised. If you're a man. And uh, you become Warzanut, you become Kashrut, you become uh, more stringent in your observance. Yeah, it's only a matter of time before any of that stuff happens. Anyway, because, you know, child, children, they grow up. You know, your children, your child is not one forever. Eventually, your child becomes two and three, and then four, and then they skip a few ages because they think they're grown, you know, right? Come on. So we grow up. And as you grow, you're supposed to, like, mature. You're supposed to do more stuff. You know, it's kind of weird if you don't know how to speak or crawl, and it's like you're you're nine. You should be walking by that age and, you know, shouldn't be going to the restroom in a diaper, you know, but you know, special circumstances, obviously taking that into account. But anyway, just on a normal trajectory, just want to point that out. It says the Ruach himself. Oh, now the Ruach is titled like a, or given this masculine quality. Normally the Ruach is considered feminine. Anyway. The Ruach himself bears witness to our spirit that we are children of God. 
And this is my point in the drosh as I was saying, nobody can tell you you're a Jew. Nobody can tell you you're a good Jew. That's between you and Hashem, i.e. the Ruach HaKodesh telling you and witnessing to you. Hey, just want to let you know you're, you're actually a child and you can actually call Hashem your father. So anyway, there's that. And it goes on to say the Ruach himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children also heirs, here's what I was mentioning. The children are the one who are heirs. I.e. the children are not the one who are the slaves. Everything in creation will be granted underneath our authority. Should we be children of God? Because... When we're heirs, we're heirs of God and joint heirs with the Mashiach. Indeed, if we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. So like that whole thing, we know Mashiach is the king over all the world, the master of all creation, all that kind of stuff. And so if we want to be a co-heir with that, it's only through the Ruach HaKodesh. It's only through Torah. It's only through being children of God, which is the Jewish nation. So the Jewish nation and Mashiach are equivalent because they're co-heirs. They're both children of Hashem. Moshe, by the way, is equivalent to the entire Jewish nation. So there's that. So many people... You know, talk about the law of Moses and they're like, what? That's silly. We don't need to do it. And it's like, well, to even have that kind of reaction and that response is to say, you clearly don't know who Moses is. Moses is a body of many members. Just to simplify Moshe being equivalent to all of Israel. So Mashiach is the body of many members. Moshe is a body of many members. The body of many members is all of the children of Israel. So now, oh, is it Moshe and Mashiach now being equivalent? Is that what we're talking about? Well, remember, Mashiach is greater than Moses and greater than the patriarchs. That's connected to the Midrash. Even uh, the big man brought this down on the Shabbat Kol Hamoed Drash. But just so you know, that's also connected to uh, the great mountain before Zerubbabel. There's some Midrash on that verse. So now, going all the way to Ephesus in chapter 4, picking up with some Omer stuff, did you know that the Omer is talked about in Ephesus chapter 4? This is the Omer. Start with verse 22. It says, with respect to your former lifestyle, you are to lay aside. Hmm. <laughs> Okay, so you you may or may not have uh, been born as a convert, or you may or may not have been born as brand new to the covenant. But uh, with respect to however that was on the other side of that, your pre-Torah, your pre-Jewish days, your PJ days, pre-Jewish days, you are to lay aside, <laughs> lay it aside. That, okay, seriously, like, it's gone. Lay it aside. Like, that's not the main thing anymore. Put it, put that down, is what he's basically saying. 
you go to somebody's house and you're picking up stuff you shouldn't be touching. Like, uh, excuse me, put that down. That's your that's your PJ life. Okay. Anyway, it says that old self, the old self, the old self corrupted. You ever dealt with a computer or a phone that was corrupted? It does not work. Your phone skitzes out. Your camera turns on and off. Your apps may or may not load. What do you do when that happens? You reset your phone and expect something better, right? Well, imagine if you kept resetting. You kept resetting. You called the factory. You called all that kind of stuff. Your phone's done. You just just lay it aside. That would be the proper course of action, right? So that's what it's like with our PJ life. It, it there's just no hope for it. It's just it needs to just be laid aside. Most people say it needs to be destroyed, thrown into the trash, whatever you want to call it, discarded, get it out of here. Not in my house kind of stuff. That is what the Omer is teaching us. Whatever we were before Pesach and Hakamatsot, after crossing over the Yam Suf, the Red Sea, that all is laid aside. That's done. That's 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 the afterbirth. Okay? Like you don't keep your baby in the afterbirth. You eventually get the umbilical cord cut and the baby starts growing and all that, okay? Lay all that aside. Now, goes on to say it's corrupted by its deceitful desires. What made our old self corrupted was the desires that were motivated by it. So I don't want to do Torah. I'll be rebellious. I'll come up with my own thing. I'll come up with my own path and I'll call it whatever I want to call it. I'll label outright idolatry and wickedness. I'll give it titles that are fitting for my comfort. I'll do traditions that are fitting for my comfort. That's your old self. That's the corruption. Verse 23. So if Ephesus, the letter that was written to them, chapter 4, verse 22, says all that about the corruption and laying aside. Verse 23 says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be renewed. That word, hadash. Okay, polish, shine up. When you are counting the Omer, unbeknownst to you, what's actually going on is the Kedusha that happened when we counted the Omer in antiquity. And may as soon be in our days that we get to see the actual counting of the Omer with the temple service being enactment. Because as Bezrat Hashem we can get to in this podcast, there is a sifting process that happens with the Omer, and it goes through these 13 stages. And, you know, it separates the wheat from the chaff. And Cephas, Amos, as brought down on the Aliyah Day, talked about how this is that whole um, aspect of uh, undoing the sin of Adam, is counting the Omer. So, you know, if anybody needs healing from demon possession or sickness or 
you know, plague and all that kind of stuff, count the Omer. That's the, that's the, that's the cure. So anyway, as ridiculous as that is, because you're just like, oh, wow, because I say this blessing and because I say, oh, today is such and such days of the Omer. It's like, yeah, congratulations. That's what you've done. It's going to take, it's going to take some time. It's going to take about, you know, one and a half months, if not more, you know, it's going to take 50 days, basically. That's how long it takes. What we did in an hour has taken thousands of years and every year, part of those thousands of years, at least 50 days to undo. That's the ramifications of our sin. And Mashiach did it. I mean, how long did it really take for him to do it? Just thinking about that. It's ridiculous. He only lived for about 33 years. Definitely less than 50. So between 33 and 50 years, whether you want to say 33 or not, because some people want to argue with that, but whatever. Um, you're looking at less than 50 years, and that's a small fraction of the three years, you know, compared to the hour and the minute and all that kind of stuff, because you really contract that down to, you know, the night before he was offered and he went through all the trials and then when he got whipped and then when he went to the crucifixion stake and how long was he actually on the stake and then when the ruach departed from him that moment so it all came down really to a moment that's how long it took to undo the sin of adam now what's been happening now as we're literally in the process of the counting of the Omer until Mashiach returns, that whole process is being worked out until it's completely manifest to where we are no longer dying. We are no longer sick and we are no longer plagued with death and sin and rebelliousness in our world. We're working towards that. Just like with the counting of the Omer, that's what you're doing. You're working towards that. Literally being renewed in the spirit of your mind. And remember, your mind and your mouth are connected because how in the world do you speak with your mouth? You have to use your mind. So res results and proof of your mind being renewed is the things that you're speaking. So if you're claiming to have a renewed mind, but you're still speaking with words of your old former self, then you don't have a renewed mind. Okay, and then going on to verse 24, main key verse, put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So remember that one time God created us in his image and all that? Yeah, that's the new self. And when we were created in the image of God, that's when the angels confused worshiping Adam for worshiping Hashem because they were like, oh, we thought that was you. And Hashem was like, no, see, he's sleep. Look, look, he went to sleep. Ah, there he is. That's not me. See? All right. Oh, sorry. Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. Adonai, Zebo, Melo, Kolades, Kevodo. And it's like, Baruch Hashem. <laughs> we thought that was you for a second because the son looks exactly like the father that's the the shomer man midrash to uh god said let us make man in our image but anyway i sourced my 
Midrash from the Midrash Rabbah on Bereshit 126. Because when you read the Midrash Rabbah on that verse, it talks about how God created Adam, which was, you know, mankind created in his image, our new self. Like we, he, we literally looked like Hashem. So before we sinned, there, there was like all this stuff because look wasn't just about a physical appearance. It was all about our makeup. Like, how do we think? How do we act? How do we um, live? How do we exist? That was a part of how we look. Now we think, oh, so-and-so looks like, and it's just like, yeah, but you're just talking about a facial appearance. You're not talking about how they act. You're not talking about, you know, how they uh, exist, how they interact and all this kind of stuff. So you have to think about it. When you say that if you've seen the son, you've seen the father, now you're talking about the fact that the son literally embodies the essence of the father. He doesn't just look like him. He acts like him. He talks like him. He walks like him. Again, we say we're sons of God, right? Selah. So that's our new self, and that's what the Omer teaches us. So with all these different layers that we have to go through, you're literally doing that with counting the Omer. So we know we count the Omer starting from the 16th of Nisan. Let me see here if I can find this drop on the Omer. I'm going to start with, uh, let's see here, Sefirata Omer. Dude, Rach Richards is out of control. Let me read this Omer drop, and then we're going to go to his messages. He continues to just reach across places and, and do stuff. Rosh Hashanah 16a. Let's start there. It is taught in a Bereta, Rabbi Yehuda said in the name of Rabbi Akiva, for what reason did the Torah say, bring in Omer on the second day of Pesach? It is because Pesach is the time of grain, the beginning of the grain harvest season. And therefore, HaKadosh Baruch he said, bring the Omer offering before me on Pesach so that the grain fields will be blessed for you. And for what reason did the Torah say, bring the Omer or Sliga, the Torah say, bring the offering of two loaves from the new wheat, i.e. the new creation, the new self, because <laughs> we're to see ourselves like this uh, agriculture here. We are counting our new self, by the way, when we count the Omer. Anyway, the two loaves from the new wheat on Shavuot, it is because on Shavuot, it is the time of the fruits that grow on a tree. When it begins to ripen and therefore HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, bring the offering of two loaves before me on Shavuot so that the fruits that grow on a tree will be blessed for you. There, there's that. Why do we say the Elenu after we count the Omer? There's a, a custom to say the Elenu. I don't know if this picture is going to show up very well. This is somebody ridiculous. I believe it is our formerly known as uh, Navia Hashani, the Scarlet Prophetess. 
Rukashima shows up. And, uh, yeah, so may Hashem bring her and her husband uh, back to Lapid. That would be great. Uh, Omer Count connection to the Elenu. We have Safek and Amelik, both equal to 40 in Gematria, which is doubt. Elenu. Uh, okay, so Safek and Amelik is 240 in Gematria. Safek, doubt, Amelik. We obviously know grandson of Asaf. Now, Elenu is Gematria 157. Omer, Gematria is 280. Is that what that says? 280. 240. Oh, we have a discrepancy. Raish is 200. I like to do it this way. Okay. Ayn is 70. Mem is 40. So 70 plus 40, that's 110. So you got 310 is Omer. Okay. So not really sure what that's all about. But anyway. Um, says we were... Charged with the commandment to blot out Amalek. We do this via the Elenu. Says, could we defeat Amalek by counting the Omer? We need to recall that a nation is not really defeated. Mm. And she says, page 456 through 466 of some source. And Omer to Elenu to Shabaot. The Omer has the 50 gates. Shabaot is the return of the Torah. The Elenu is about defeating Amalek, overpowering the Yatahara, being a light to the nations, the divine retribution on Amalek, because, oh yeah, remember when uh, Parsha Beshalach, where it says a hand of Hashem will be on the throne until uh, Amalek is wiped out. So in other words, Hashem's name won't be complete until Amalek is wiped out. So there's like, this whole thing about Hashem is going to make war against Amalek to bring about the completion of his name, which would be the final redemption, which is in the Elenu, which is where we say the day where his name is one and he will be one. So that whole thing says declare in the Elenu we declare his glory dude these people are going crazy we have um what did i call his name uh hates which is the word for like uh lightning bolts and explosions uh is the black bolt avenger haven't told him this yet, so I don't know if he's going to agree with it, but he every time he speaks, he's like that. Anyway, him and Race Richards are on a rampage as I'm p- trying to podcast here. So, again, after we get through the Omer, that'll be my next goal. Okay, so back to the Lenu. So, divine retribution on the Melech, declaring his glory. Uh, and I can't read that. So, anyway, it says, accepting the yoke of Torah, all nations accepting the yoke of Torah. That's the Elenu. 
says his kingdom gets restarted, okay, or revealed or returned. And it says the third temple reign of Mashiach. That's all in Elenu, which is connected to Omer and Shavuot. Going on to say, goodness, there's a lot of information here. Refine to the 50 gates to receive the Torah. A certain Rebbe here, who I cannot read the name. This is literally written by hand here. So this is just a page of her notes. We, we hold the keys to bring Mashiach through our, oh my goodness, something and refinement of, oh my goodness, of what? I don't know, this cliffhanger. Anyway, Moshe 49, Notain 49, Amen 49. Something, something, 49. There's all these 49 gates of stuff. So, she goes on to say, a the Jews in Egypt were on the 49th level of impurity. They were on the 49th level of holiness when they got to the Torah. The 49 days of Sephirah Omer help us traverse the 49 levels so that we will be ready to accept the Torah, the living Torah. Each day of the Omer, we work to refine one's character trait and go up a level. Rabbi Mendel Alderman. So as we started 49 and 49 days, we were plus 49. How far? 49 from 49. 98. So the 49th level of holiness is 98 levels higher than the 49th level of impurity. So we have to elevate from the depths of 49 levels of impurity. And when we get from those 49 levels, which is the 49th day of the counting of the Omer, we come all the way back up. Then on the 50th day, Hashem is going to plus 49 us to the 50th level, which is where the Torah is. And that's how we get to the 50 gates. Well, we don't quite get the 50 gate until we do what Moshe did to get the 50th gate, which is die. Um, but until that time, or with the final redemption, we'll get the 50th gate. But until that time, we'll be at the 49th level and holding Bezrat Hashem. Just from the fact that we count the Omer. So we take off the old and put on the new. And when we say the Elenu, it's an integral part of this process because it's bringing us out of this whole doubt and whole uh, fruitless labor aspect and helping us with refinement and looking towards the day that the 50 gate will be manifest in the world. Okay, so, and remember, the f the 50th day of the Elmer counting, which is not really a thing, it's actually 49 days and then the 50th day of Shabbat. When that happened in antiquity, that was when Hashem spoke on Mount Sinai, 
which we call the giving of the Torah, celebrating the giving of the Torah, is when Hashem spoke on Mount Sinai, not literally when the Torah came down the mountain, because that was another uh, 40 days later. But after that 40 days, we made the golden calf. So the goal is get to Shabbat, don't make a golden calf and wait for the Torah to come down. And also, don't tell Hashem, we don't want to hear him speak. Moses, you go talk to him. Like, let Hashem continue to speak. So when Shabbat gets here, let Hashem do his thing. Okay, we need Hashem to speak. We don't need to tell him to be quiet so we can go have Moshe or intermediary go up. Let Hashem speak. And if it causes our death, the precedent is, is that every word Hashem spoke, our souls left our bodies and went straight to the throne of glory. God stopped our souls and sent it back into our body. So the resurrection and the life aspect happened through Hashem's voice speaking to us on Shabbat. Um, let's see here. All right, so go to my source searching. And let's see, count Omer. Uh, There's a whole Mishnah on it about counting the Omer. That people would go out into the field and they say, Is this an Omer? Is this an Omer? Uh, Mishneh Torah, that sounds great. Sefer Hahinuk. Commandment of counting the Omer to count the 49 days from bringing the Omer, which is on the 16th of Nisan. There you go. So it's not necessarily that it's on Sunday. Sefer Hahinuk. Menakot 66a clarifies two verses that are dealing with counting the Omer. You should count for yourself from the morrow to the rest day. One might have thought that one must harvest and bring the Omer meal offering on the second day of Pesach, 16th of Nisan. So there's Minakot 66a, tells you about 16th of Nisan. Mm. Looking for a specific source here. Didn't Abiyah say, this is Hagiga 17b, it is a mitzvah to count days in the counting of the Omer as it is written. This is why we count by days, by the way. Mm. Where is it? Count seven complete weeks. You count by days and you count by weeks. So that's why we say today is such and such day of the Omer, which is one week and da 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 da, or two weeks, however that falls out. Uh, when you come into your neighbor's standing grain, and it's written there with regard to the harvesting of the barley for the Omer, Baba Metzia 87b, they're talking about something. I'm going to search engine right now, so gives me some headings. But I remember reading a specific Mishnah that went over what they did to count the Omer. 
Mm. Side note, there's a source called Flames of Faith. <laughs> oh, wow. Flames of Faith 25.6. On every subsequent Shabbos, Shabbat, of the Omer count, we study a different chapter from Pirkei Avot. So every Shabbat from Pesach to Shavuot, study Pirkei Avot. That's where that comes from. Akidat Yitzhak. Psalm 67, which is recited when we count the Omer, contains 49 words paralleling the symbolism inherent in the seven arms of the menorah. Yep. Because seven times seven is 49. And that's your Omer count. So the seven branches have to do with each branch being a week of the Omer. And you count seven weeks. So you're building a menorah. Hmm. Let's see here. All right, still looking for that source. Mishnah Suka, not it. Manako mm. Arakin. That's a king. Nope. An Omer is one tenth of a measure. From here, the sages said that the dough prepared from seven quarters of a cob of flour and more is obligated in challah. So the omer count, that measurement of an omer is connected to how much we are to separate challah dough. Goodness, you would think I would have tabbed this by now. Anyway, they talk about going out into a field on the night of the 16th of Nissan, great fanfare. And they have a whole thing where they cut the grain from the earth and then they uh, hold it up. And they say, is this an omer? Is this an omer? The people are like, yes, they confirm it multiple times. Kind of like the way that Yeshua questioned Kepha, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? We say, is this an omer? Is this an omer? Is this an omer? Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, that all happens with the Omer. All right. So looking here, that was my little timer letting me know you have five minutes to speak now. Like Bezrata Shem, I don't have to use five minutes to look for this source. But I'll know it if I see it. It is a specific Mishnah on the Omer count. Hmm. Well, Hakadosh Baruch I pray that uh, 
We can find it. Be really awesome to read it. Hmm. Okay, Brukashim. Well, I will uh, see if I can find this, and that way I don't have to worry about running out of time. And then uh, we shall continue. Brukashim.